Now, we're, we're in the midst of our fall campaign. And since we, we have things set up here, we're looking at being a church that's healthy and unified and firing on all cylinders. And we have things set up up here to look kind of like a garage. So I have a story that I'm going to tell you uh, from when I was 16. Um, I, I got a call from a woman in our church and she said, hey, I have a car that I would like to sell to you. She knew I'm 16. I got my license. I was driving an old Suburban, uh, which I liked the Suburban, but I wanted my own car. I didn't want to have to share with all my siblings because we were all driving basically at this point. Uh, and, and she said, I'll sell you this car. Uh, if you'll, you'll give me 300 bucks, it's yours. Now it had been sitting for 10 years in kind of a little field next to her house. Uh, and, and she said, I'm pretty sure it will still start and run. Uh, we may have to jump it, but it should run for you. Uh, so I was excited. I walked over to her house, uh, handed her $300. I turned the keys on it. It was a 1976 Chevy Malibu classic. Now my sister had the same car, but she had the four door version. Okay. And hers was a 76 Malibu classic. It was crazy that we found these two cars uh, like that, but hers was the four door. So it was okay. But mine was the two door, more sporty edition. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and they were both baby puke yellow. So they were, it was just great, great vehicle to start with. And, and I remember I, I turned the key. That thing started up right away. It had been sitting for 10 years and just started. And I was going, this is it. I have my car. I drove it out of her yard and, and parked it in front of my house a few blocks away. I go inside and my dad said, actually, don't park it there. You need to take it across town to this other guy's house. And I'm going, well, why? What's, what's going on? He said, well, uh, after you, you bought the car, as you were coming over here, she called my dad and said, hey, when we parked it over there, it, it was having what we think were some transmission issues. Uh, and so that's why we had it parked there. Um, and, and we just wanted him to know that, you know, it, it's something we think is repairable for sure. And I'm going, okay. Uh, but my dad had called another man in the church who said, hey, I'd love to teach him how to rebuild a transmission. Uh, I'll order a kit and, and then we'll, we'll sit down and do this. So I drive the car across town uh, to this other guy's house. And he said, okay, we're going to wait for that kit to come in. It's going to take a week for it to get here, but we can do something now. We're going to drop the transmission. Now I was thinking if we're trying to repair something, why would we drop it? But um, I'm not mechanically minded when it comes to vehicles. It's just not something that I've ever learned and understood. Uh, but he said, we're going to drop the transmission. So if you've ever had a car from the seventies, you know, this, they do not sit very high. They are very low riding and especially this one. Uh, and so the guy who I was working with, he couldn't fit under the car. So I got to be under the car doing all of this work. And he would tell me what to do. He'd hand me tools. He'd show me where stuff was at, reach under and kind of help me with different pieces of it. And I was learning a lot. Uh, I was kind of enjoying the work as I was laying under there in his garage. Uh, And he said at one point, he said, here's what I need you to do. I want you to put your feet here. I want your head here. I need you to take your hands just like this and put them on that transmission. And I'm going, okay, what what am I doing now? And he said, well, uh, in just a moment, I'm going to loosen this bolt and then we're going to drop the transmission. And I'm thinking, wait a second, I'm under the transmission. (laughs) What do you mean we're going to drop the transmission? He said, well, I don't have a transmission jack. I have you. And and I went, oh, (laughs) okay. Well, if you've ever done this, if you've ever been uh, dropped a transmission, you understand what was about to happen to me. Okay, I'm laying there and I have about three inches of clearance and he's saying, just, just catch it. Don't let it drop too hard on your chest. And I'm thinking, how am I going to stop it in this amount of time? Like this little bit, but I'm 16. I'm going, I can handle it, right? I played football. I was strong. I could do this. I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> he, he undid that bolt. He said, okay, just shift it a little bit this way. And I shifted it and that thing dropped on my chest so fast. And he was like, just 
don't worry about it. You'll be okay. He went around and he jacked the car up a little bit more so that I could slide out. We didn't have a creeper. I was just laying on the ground. And I'm like sliding out from under with this transmission on my chest. Uh, he helped me pick it up. We got it up onto a workbench. Uh, and he sent me home. I had bruises on my chest. He didn't. He rebuilt the whole transmission and got, had another friend come put it back in. I think he was tired of laughing at me. So um, he just did all the work without me there. But I, I remember this, that it, it was this moment where, where I learned something. You know, there's moments in life where, where we just don't have the right tools to get the job done. You know, maybe it's like this, where you don't have a transmission jack, but you have a 16-year-old, and it's the same thing, right? They're interchangeable. Uh, but sometimes we just make do, right? Sometimes we're just like, well, we'll use what we have, we'll make it work. Other times we just ignore the problem uh, until it's too much of a problem and we can't ignore it anymore. Uh, Or there's times that we reach out to somebody who has the tools and the skills to get the job done and we just trust it to them, right? We ask them to come in and deal with it. Now, the same attitude in this comes in for us often when it comes to the next cylinder that we're looking at as a church. Uh, like I said, we're, we're in the midst of our fall campaign looking at what a church that is healthy, unified, and firing on all cylinders means. And those cylinders are the different elements and pieces of what the church is called to be, the ways we're called to live, the, the functions of the body of Christ gathered together. And so uh, over the last two weeks, Pastor John has taken us through the first two cylinders that we're calling them. The first one was worship, and then last week was discipleship or following Jesus. And now today I have the privilege of sharing with you about events. Evangelism. Now, every week we've been developing out a commitment statement for us to stand by as a church. And this week, here's what we're working towards in the cylinder of evangelism. We're, we're working towards this, that fueled by God's love, we go, generously sharing the gospel with whomever God puts in our path. We're tying together this word, uh, this word generosity with evangelism. I know generosity often gets tied to giving of money uh, and giving in those things, but I want you to think about this. Generosity is about giving from what I have, right? And I have received from God salvation. I have received from God hope in Jesus. I have received from God this new life, and I'm going to generously give that to others around me that they would see, that they would know, that they would find this truth and this hope. And so fueled by God's love, we go generously sharing the gospel with whomever God puts in our path. This is the commitment that we're walking towards today. Now I know you may be thinking this, Pastor Ben, every time you get up here, it seems that you just talk about the same thing. And, and I'm just going to tell you, I am passionate about evangelism. That's part of why I get to come up and talk about them. I chomp, you know, get chomping at the bit a little bit when this topic's coming up. But at the same time, you know, it, it is something I do talk about often. And maybe you're looking a little bit annoyed with it or maybe more likely just annoyed by me. Um, but there's something important that I want you to know about this. I, I'm going to make a deal with you right now, okay? I will stop talking about this when we start doing it, Okay. That's my deal. Can we make that deal? That when, when I'll stop talking about it when we start doing it, okay? Now, like I said, this attitude of I don't have the tools and so I'm going to ask someone else comes in a lot with this area. Things like this. I'll just tell my, my pastor about my neighbor. I've got this neighbor that needs to know Jesus. I'll invite my pastor over and I'll point him out and sick my pastor on him. Have them come over. I'll, I'll put this whole thing together so that they can be in this moment, in this situation. And while I'll just tell you that there's times that that happens and there's times that it, it's, it's a great thing, uh, that's not you doing evangelism. That's your pastor doing evangelism. Uh, but but there's, there's a piece in that. There's good stuff to that, that it can be done. Uh, how about this one? I'll invite them to church and they'll hear about Jesus there. Now, that's not a bad thing either, is it? It is a great opportunity for someone to come and hear about Jesus, but I just want to tell you something clearly. That's also not evangelism. 
Okay, that's, that's this, a, a very different idea. We're going to talk about some of the elements of how this works where you can come alongside in this. But, but I want you to see that, that that is something that's not just, that's not true evangelism in it as we're getting into the call of what this is. Some of you, it's more like this. I'll make sure that I have a cross on my car or maybe on the front of my house so that my neighbor can see it. And I'll have Caleb playing in my car when I roll the windows down just in case my neighbor's outside when I drive by, right? A little drive-by gospelizing. I'm just going to hit him with it, you know, real quick. Let Chris Tomlin sing it at him, okay? And, and just crank that thing up. But, but the truth is this, this stuff isn't bad stuff, but it is an evangelism, and it's not what we've been called to. That's the thing. These things can work because God's able to do whatever he wants with whatever he wants, using whatever means he wants. But today, it's time for us to have a little bit of introspection on the call that's on us to evangelize. Now, we as a church, we love the idea of being good Christians. We, we strive for people to follow Jesus, and many of you feel that you're following Jesus really well. And in the eyes of everyone around you, and based upon the standards that we often look at, you are. We, we have a group of good Christians coming to this church that are gathering together regularly. But there's something important about truly following Jesus that I want you to know right now, okay? And Jesus himself is who said this in Matthew 4.19. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. He was saying something about following him. He was saying something that was different. It, it means to follow Jesus means to learn from him what he wants to show you. He doesn't say this. He doesn't say, follow me, and I'll show you how to have a good life. He doesn't say, follow me, and I'll show you how to be fulfilled, or follow me, and I'll show you how to be a better person. He says, follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for men. I'll make you fishers of men. How to do, he wants to show you how to do what he came to do. He wants you to learn that if you're going to catch fish, though, you can't be afraid to touch the worm. You ever worked with kids teaching them how to fish? This summer, I had a privilege of getting together with, with my family uh, in, in Missouri at Lake of the Ozarks. And, and all my nieces and nephews are there, and they all wanted to fish. Now, in the four days that we were there, they caught somewhere like around 170 fish. Okay, none of them like touching worms, and none of them like touching fish. So I touched a lot of fish and worms that week. It was a constant. Every time I turn around, I'm having to grab another fish and, and, and go through this. And some of you have been through that. But what, what's amazing in this is that we have this attitude. And when they would get impatient with me because there was a line of, of people waiting for me to bait their hooks, one of them would just go over and just throw their blank hook down there. They would throw a bare hook in there going, well, I'll just try to catch one this way. And that's how we often try to live in our lives when it comes to evangelism is we, we throw out this bare hook uh, of, of good Christian values. I'll, I'll live a life that's a good example. And as I, as I drag that across through life, I hope to snag just a few people that are going to see this and they're just going to somehow be drawn to God and know exactly why I act the way I do is because of Jesus and they're just going to find it. And we hope that that would work. But, but here's the thing. When you take the life that, that lives out these good Christian values and match it with a message that explains what this is about, it's like baiting the hook in a way that can, it's hard to resist because they get to see what it is that draws you into living what you live. And so I want to show you that we, we need to move beyond this. Jesus said his followers will learn how to fish for men, this involves more than just being good examples in our world. He wants to show you how to live out and lead the cause. Now, when I say the cause, many things may come to mind. Yeah, I think of, of the, the fight against world hunger. 
and how there's been a lot of people fighting against this, trying to figure things out and solve problems with this for, for a long time. I think about clean water programs. There's areas of our world where people don't have access to clean water, and so there's movements to try to bring that into different places. I think of the fight against human trafficking. These are, these are all uh, causes that people get behind and they want to help with, but there's one cause that is far greater. One cause that has greater consequences if we do nothing and much greater impact if we invest into it, and that is the cause of Christ. Jesus showed us this cause in his own life as we see him living constantly on a mission, and that mission he defines for us in Luke 19.10 when he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. We see this cause to save the lost in every aspect of his life and ministry. And then we see him invite us to come alongside him in this cause when he commanded in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." The cause of Christ to seek and save the lost has been handed to us, his church. We, we need to want to obediently follow his command and example. And, and I have a tool here that I want to show you to help us stay focused on the cause and to accomplish the mission that we've been sent on. It's called the cause circle. I know it's a little hidden up here, uh, but right in front of me here is a, a large version of the cause circle. And this cause circle helps us stay focused on the cause of Christ uh, with three simple steps, okay? Step number one is prayer. We focus on intercessory prayer for the lost. That's praying on behalf of someone else. Intercessory prayer is often described like this. We're praying for the lost to be saved and the saints to be sanctified. It's praying for other, other people to be drawn into God. It's praying for their salvation, praying for opportunities to bring the gospel in, praying for the Holy Spirit to draw them in as only he can, praying for boldness as ambassadors and witnesses of the gospel. And we pray knowing that God uses this time before him to align our hearts with his, to give us the same lens that he sees through, that we would see into the world around us. And when we pray regularly for the lost, we notice the lost. We see the lost. Any time in your life that you focus on something regularly, you begin to notice things that point back to it everywhere. And I just want to tell you, it is the same thing here. When I spend time regularly praying for the people in my life that don't know Jesus, I notice them much more. I notice their needs much more. I start seeing them the way that God sees them with a passion for them. And when I've spent time praying, when I focus on praying for the lost, I see uh, the next part of the cause circle come in, which is we care. We start caring for them. This is where we shift our focus into caring for people by meeting emotional, physical, and spiritual needs. I love how often Jesus would come into a place and he didn't just teach. He didn't just step up and, and give a sermon and then leave. What he would do is he would heal the sick. He would feed the crowds. He'd spend time in the homes of the religious outcast and the religious leader. He saw when, people's need, uh, need, when people needed cared beyond physical, and he would emotionally come alongside them. He saw when people meeting someone's 
physical need would open up the opportunity for their even greater spiritual need to be addressed, and, and he would step into that. And so following that example, we, we strive to care following the guidance and example of Jesus by offering different, as a church, we offer community events or opportunities to impact the community, like our Thanksgiving box uh, ministry. It's an opportunity for us as a church to care for people in our community, to go out actually into the community and, and to offer care for people in a physical sense. Sometimes there's an emotional side that goes along with that. As many of you have been involved, realize that you've gotten to come alongside someone who needs emotional support. And what's amazing is when we care, how often it opens up the opportunity for us to bring in their spiritual needs and start caring for them through that as well. And so we see opportunities like that. I think of uh, other opportunities that we have, like our Go Share Days, which is something that we've been doing over the last few months where we go and we take over a park, and, and we've done one in Scottsbluff and one in Mitchell. We take over a park and just offer a free barbecue for whoever shows up. And anyone that comes in, they get free food, and we sit down with them, we spend some time with them, play some games with their kids, and, and just spend time talking to them about Jesus, caring for them where they're at, whatever it takes, uh, we're there to care for our community in those moments. And so some great opportunities within that that we work on, we, we put together these, uh, these community events, but then there's also the importance of having personal connections, looking for people that are within my circle of influence that I already have a relationship with that I can come alongside and care for them in what's going on in their life. Not just step back and, and go, oh, well, they're struggling right now, but really looking at, okay, and how can I come alongside them? And starting to, to take those opportunities to care for someone. And then we as a church look for heart care ministries. Opportunity to come alongside someone and help them battle out of sin. Help them battle through struggles in life. Help them battle through loss. And, and mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep. And come alongside them and care for their heart. These are things that we work towards in this care section. And while I'm praying for the lost my lost friends and family, and I'm, and I'm looking for opportunities to care for their needs that will open up ways for this last piece of the cost circle to come in, which is we share. We share. Here's where we focus on sharing the gospel. Here, here's where we need to learn how to bring up the gospel in simple and effective ways. Now, if you're in a life group this week that's been going through uh, the series that we put together for our fall campaign, uh, this week you're going to get a, a little training on how to bring up the gospel in a simple way. And so I would encourage you, don't skip this week. It's a great opportunity to learn how to do this uh, and to practice it out a little bit. It's going to get a little awkward and you just, that's okay. Let it be awkward, all right? Uh, but, but take the time to do that. And if you're not in a life group, first off, I would encourage you, get involved in one. Uh, it's huge impact and benefit for you and your family in that. But also, if you're going, well, I'm not going to be able to make it to that this week, but I'd still love that training, come talk to me and I'll get you a link to it so that you can jump on and be part of that as well and, and grow in this so that you're uh, ready to bring up the gospel in simple and effective ways. And we also, we invest time in building up solid doctrine and apologetics so that we can answer questions about Jesus correctly, clearly, and concisely. Now, when I talk about doctrine and apologetics, here's what I mean. Doctrine is what we believe. Apologetics are why we believe that. So when I have a solid foundation on what I believe, it's really easy for me to start knowing how or why I believe that and how to explain that out to someone else. So we start, we have to know Jesus. We have to know the truth about this so that I can answer questions when someone has them. 
So that when I'm having these conversations and sharing with someone and they bring up a question, I have a basis, a foundation to stand on that I can go back to and say, yeah, and and this is what scripture says about this. And so we work hard for that, to, to have that so we can answer those questions about Jesus correctly, clearly, and concisely. We as a church like to create what we call come and see events. Places where where people can come in, you can bring your friends and family so that they can see who Jesus is and see what he's about. And then here's the biggest piece of it is then our, our goal is to encourage you to take those opportunities to carry on follow up conversations about Jesus with the people that you brought. Let me give you an example. Okay, down here, I've got these cards right here. Uh, This is an invite card. Uh, And on this front here, it says, uh, an invite to our celebration Sunday. Now, this is what's happening on November 14th over at the Weeborg Center. We're having our church service there. And this is an invite for you to take and give to someone to invite them to join you for the church service there. Now, there's not a lot of information on it. And so you're going to have to, out loud with words, talk to someone and invite them in. And I'm going to ask you to be bold in that and to actually do it. I know I shouldn't have to say that. Some of you are chuckling, like, why would he say you? Some of you know why I'm saying that, okay? But, but here's the thing is we, we need to, to be bold in that. Now, maybe you're like, I've got this coworker that's told me they do not want to go to church. They want nothing to do with that. And, and here's the thing. We're not going to be at the church. We're going to be at the Weeborg Center, and maybe they'll come with you to a church service at the Weeborg Center. But maybe you got somebody who's going, I don't want to go to a church service of any kind. I don't want anything to do with that. That's okay. We flip this over, and on the back, guess what? It talks about the Mitchell Berean cook-off, okay? And maybe what you can do is, is you walk up to them and say, hey, here's the deal. I know you like to judge people. Let's go judge people together and judge their food and cooking, right? Like, no, but, but here's the thing, right? I, I love this picture of what it is because maybe I wouldn't lead open with that line. I mean, you, get, you know your people, but I, I just want you to understand, like, there's a great opportunity to say, hey, you don't want to come to church? Come and eat with me. Just come and eat. There's going to be some great chili there, some great soups, cinnamon rolls, all these good, wonderful things. Just come and eat. Come and sit down with me, and then we can, you can have a conversation there. But here's the goal is that right after this church service, if someone's come with you and they've heard the gospel here, you sit down at the meal with them and you say, okay, so what was that like? What did that mean to you? What did you hear? You, you heard about Jesus. What does that mean to you? It's a, it's a conversation starter is the whole point of that, that you can follow up with evangelism that's personal. And have a real conversation. You can get a little awkward and say, yeah, you think that chili's hot. I'll tell you where else is going to be hot. And I, I mean, you can do it. There's all sorts of ways to bring up the gospel in this. Don't use those. I give you bad examples. But, but here's the thing. Our goal is that every one of you would take one of those invite cards and you would give it out to somebody and invite them to join you to this come and see place where Jesus is going to be presented. The gospel is going to be clear. And then you can follow up and have a real conversation We'll open the door for that as best as we can as the Holy Spirit moves. We just ask that you be bold, that you be bold and have the conversations that you need to have. Now, we don't just have that coming up on the 30th of this month. Uh, We were looking at doing our own uh, kind of fall festival, trunk or treat kind of thing, uh, just as a church to offer to the community. And then I saw uh, that the city of Mitchell, it was sent to me that they're doing a trunk or treat on the 30th. And so I got a hold of them and said, hey, 
we were going to do our own event, but could we just come and kind of infuse our people into what you guys are doing and, and partner with our community for this? And they said, absolutely, please come and do that. So what they've said is that we as a church can come and you can decorate your trunk out and bring candy and have all that stuff. We've got some carnival games that we're going to set up and I just need people to come that are willing to be there and interact and talk to people and invite people to be part I've got a a tool that we use that goes through kind of a fall festival scavenger hunt that explains the gospel out to kids. And and we've used this before, and it's a great opportunity with this. And so we're going to set up things in whatever way we can that's going to allow us to care for our community, to have some fun with our community, to be out in our community, and also to share with our community. And so I would just encourage you, use these things. Come and be part of these things. If you want to get involved in that, come see me after service. Maybe, maybe uh, come and see events not where your friend or family member is at. Maybe they, you need to just reach out to them and say, hey, let's go get a coffee and let's sit and talk. Maybe that's where it needs to be for this share part. Maybe you need to invite them into your home and have a meal together where you can be in a little more intimate setting and have that conversation that you need to have there. Maybe for you, you need that more than you want to have a big event kind of thing. But I would just, uh, I, I just challenge you to think differently in this and to start thinking about them in a way of how how can I share this with them because if I truly believe that Jesus is the one and only way to salvation and everyone apart from him spends eternity in hell I should be a little desperate for my friends and family shouldn't I I should have an attitude like that that is reflecting of God's heart for them as well now sometimes we see someone be prayed for and cared for and shared with and they immediately respond to the gospel and, and, and they find true life in Jesus and we celebrate in that. And when this happens, we come alongside them in discipleship. We, we train them uh, to have the same prayer, care, share mentality uh, with their friends and family. Now some of you may be thinking, well, isn't there kind of like a period that they need to go through of training before they could get to that point of, of like starting to think about reaching people around them? I'm going to give you a story. At the end of August, we did our first go share day at a park right across from Walmart. Uh, and a young man had been invited to come uh, from some of the girls in our group, and they, they brought him there. They all came skating up, and it was awesome because uh, there's a skate park there. And that's, I think mostly he came because girls invited him, and there was a skate park, and that's all right. But he came out there, and they spent all day with him, talking to him about different things, just connecting with him. And then they invited him. They said, hey, you should come with us to youth group this week. And he goes, you know what? Okay, I'll come. I'll come check it out. Well, he comes that Wednesday, and he hears the gospel, and he put his faith in Christ. And it's an exciting thing to see because that happened the first week of October, or the first week of September, sorry, that he put his faith in Christ. And, and every week in youth group, we have a time uh, called Ring the Bell where kids get up and they share stories about people that they're getting to share the gospel with, people that they're reaching out to, people they're praying for, people they're caring for, and people they're sharing with. And they get up and share these stories. In these last two weeks, that young man has gotten up to share, hey, I've got this friend back home. You guys, you, you, you led me to Jesus, and now I want him to know. And he's been reaching out to this friend back where he came from. And, and he's like, I don't know how to explain much about Jesus because I just barely know anything about Jesus myself. But I'd given him a book, a little discipleship book for new believers. And so what he's doing is he's taking pictures of the daily devotionals and sending them to his friend, and they read through it together, and they talk about it. And after two weeks of doing this, he's got his friend convinced to now go find a gospel-preaching youth group within his own town that he can start being poured into and learn more about Jesus. And this young man is going, he, he's living it out. He's known Jesus for a month and a half. 
And he's living this out because he goes, I saw what it was to be prayed for, cared for, and shared with, and now I'm going to do that with my friend. I don't need to know everything. I know Jesus, and that's what he needs to know too, and we'll just walk in this together. So don't get this idea that when someone comes to Christ, they've got to go through a whole process of training before they're ready to dive in and start fishing for men. Jesus did not force that. He did not do that of, well, let's train you all. It was, let's go. Let's do this. Let's dive into this. And, and I just want to challenge you to be thinking that way. We want to show them how to fish for men and to, as they follow Jesus. Now, sometimes we see people prayed for and cared for and shared with, and they still reject the gospel. They, they reject Jesus. And in these moments, we can, we can become frustrated. We can even hit points where we want to just reject them. I've had this lots of times. Someone comes to me and goes, you know, I, I did everything right. I went through all of the stuff. I did this, this perfectly, and they still said no. They still said they don't want to talk to me about this. And that I'm done with them. I'm done trying with them. And I've heard that a lot, and, and it can be frustrating. It can be hard. But I heard an incredible picture this week from a pastor friend of mine all about what our perspective should be during these moments. He was preaching out of Romans 10, and he got to verse 21, and here's what it says. But to Israel, he says... All day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. And this, this verse, I want you to think about it. The people of Israel, this is God's chosen people. If you know their story, if you know what happened with them, they rejected him over and over again. He would do these incredible things. He would reveal himself to them, show them all of this, and, and promise them incredible things. And they would say, thanks, but no thanks. And they would run back to their idols, run back to their sin, run to their destruction. But do you see what God did? Do you see what, what Jesus did? Have you ever been in a moment where someone challenges you to a competition to see who, who's kind of stronger in a sense? You ever had someone challenge you to see who can hold their arms out longer? You ever tried that? Okay, I'm going to hold my arms out here. Now, right now, I feel pretty strong. I feel good. I can hold my arms out, I'm guessing, probably for at least the rest of the day. No big deal. Some of you are chuckling at me because you're like, hmm. Um, I'll just tell you, I've got, I've got my arms out and I feel pretty good. But as I'm talking, I will admit, I'm feeling a little tingling in my fingers and I don't know why. I don't know what that is. If there's something medically wrong with me, please tell me. But um, I, I am feeling it a little bit, you know, and, but it's not that bad. I, I may not be able to go all day, but I could go a couple hours easily. I could, total, I could, I could go a couple hours in this. I, I could probably win a few competitions with this. But you know, as I'm saying that, I'm starting to feel a little bit in my shoulders. <laughs> you know, those old football injuries come back in. You start to feel those a little bit. And, and now I'm hitting a point where I'm going, okay, wait a second. Why am I doing this? Who am I trying to impress? What am I trying to prove here? And then I realize there's no, no one's impressed by this. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, forget that, okay? <laughs> but you know what? As I drop my arms, I can feel how worn out they were already. And I know some of you are like, you should be able to do it longer than that, but I can't. And I'm sorry, I'll train next time. But, but here's the thing. My arms, they literally, they feel tired. But I think of this picture. All day long, I've stretched out my hands to, to a, a disobedient and contrary people. Not stretched out his hands and stay away, but reaching to them, trying to draw them. And I've stretched out my hands. And I think about this. I think of how much God stretched out his hands in pursuit of me. How much he stretched out his hands in pursuit of you, constantly going, no, come. I'm trying to reach you. I'm trying to get you. I think of how much Jesus stretched out his hands and what he was willing to go through for us, living out and demonstrating one of the fruit of the Spirit that we often call patience, but is better translated as long-suffering. 
He was willing to suffer long to pursue me, to bring me in. All day long, he stretched out his hands in pursuit of me, a disobedient person. All day long, he's done this, and it brings up a question. How long am I willing to suffer for the people around me who are bound for hell? How long am I willing to suffer? How long did he suffer? How much suffering are they worth? How much suffering are they worth to me? How much suffering are they worth to him? From the beginning of creation, God has shown us the value and worth that he sees within us, that he sees within you, within the people around you. We're going to go through a song, a song of commitment here. And I'm going to help break this down to help you understand and give you some steps to commitment in these cylinders that we've been going through. But you need to know this from the start. God formed together all things for his glory, including mankind, including you. And then he invited man into a real close personal relationship where we could share in the joy of all that he has made and we could join with creation in awe of him.
to worshiping him as he desires and as he commands in spirit and in truth? Am I willing to step up to this first piece and commit? Because if I am, that's when I want you to stand. Don't stand here giving him lip service. It's meaningless. He told the nation of Israel to stop lighting useless fires on his altars because their hearts were not worshiping him. Don't stand here giving worthless sound to him. We worship him because of who he is and what he's done in awe of him. And if you are committed to that, if you are ready to stand in that, then I ask you to stay standing with me as we sing this. If the stars are made to worship, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you make. Every burning star signifies of grace. If creation sings your praises, so will I. Am I living as Lord or am I submitting to you as Lord? 
And as you listen to his answer, as you focus on what he's revealing to your heart right now, you need to answer this question. Are you ready to stop running the show and to allow him to bring you into what you were created for, into freedom, into hope, into purpose and fullness? Are you ready to commit to being a true follower of Jesus?
I want you to see clearly the surrender that we're committing to as a church because it's what we talked about last week where Jesus said, if anyone wants to be my follower, he must first deny himself daily, pick up his cross and follow me. Are we as a church ready to commit to that? Are you ready to be a true follower of Jesus, to deny yourself, to not go your own way, but surrender to his lordship, to take up your cross, to do whatever it is to follow him, to whatever he calls, and to follow him, to accompany him, to align yourself with him, to assist him? Are you ready to be a true follower? just a list of bad things I've done. It's missing the mark. Romans 3.23 tells us, for all have sinned. We've missed the mark and fall short of God's glorious standard. Every single one of us, because of our sin, has been separated from God. And now we have a void, a purpose we were created for that we cannot get back to. And this world offers us thing after thing after thing that says it will fulfill it. But I promise you this, there is nothing this world has to offer that can fulfill it. Only in Christ Jesus is their fulfillment and being brought back into what you need. But we think I can be a good person. I can deal with the bad by doing good. That's not what God requires. He required the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus stretched out his arms on a cross. God in flesh shed his blood for the forgiveness of your sins and my sins. And God accepted that payment on your behalf raising Jesus from the dead three days later and giving him the authority and power to give you new life, to give new life to anyone and everyone who puts their faith and trust in him and him alone, putting all the weight of what it takes to save you on Jesus and knowing this, that anyone who does that has eternal life and that life with Jesus starts that moment and lasts forever. Nothing can take it from you. Nothing can separate you again from the God who has brought you back. If you're here today and you have not yet put your faith in Jesus, don't leave here without getting your questions answered. If you're here and you're going, I'm ready to do this, then I ask you to come and to talk to me after service, to grab someone around you that you trust, just ask them, what must I do to be saved? What do I need to do? I'm ready to put my faith in Jesus. Can you walk through that? Church, then we need to come alongside. If you're here and you've already put your faith in Jesus, I'm going to give you something to commit to right now. Up here I have these papers. These cause circles right here. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you in a minute to come up here and I want you to grab one of these cause circles. And I want you to think of someone in your life who doesn't know Jesus. 
someone who's a, maybe a family member, a friend, a classmate, a teammate, a coworker, your neighbor, someone in your circle of influence who doesn't know Jesus. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to come up. I want you to just write their first name on this paper. And then I'm going to ask you to start committing to this cause of Christ by just praying for them right here, right now. Lifting them up, pleading with God, interceding on their behalf for their salvation. They're going to ask you to take one more step of commitment and to, to take one of the pins that's on the table and, and to hang this paper on this board here, on this cause circle, as a statement of commitment, saying, okay, God, I'm committing to step out and to strive to care, to reach out, to do what I can to come alongside them in whatever ways you open up. And then, God, I'm, I don't have all the tools to share. I'm not, I don't necessarily feel fully equipped, but God, you have everything and you're with me. I know you can give me words and wisdom. And so God, by hanging this up, I'm committing to say, God, whatever you want to do, use me. I'm ready. We as a church need to commit. And I'm going to ask you to leave these papers here so that we as a staff can join you in praying for these names. We're going to go through these and pray, but also so that the prayer ministry with Cliff and Sherry can take these and be interceding alongside you for these friends, these family members who need to know Christ. So as we close here, I'm going to ask when you're ready, come forward when you're ready to commit to this third cylinder, knowing I've committed to worshiping God for the way he deserves. I'm in awe of him. This is step one. And in that step, I'm committing now to follow him, to become a disciple. And understand this, as he said, disciples become fishers of men because that's what he's leading us to. Are you ready to commit to letting him lead you that way? So as you're ready, I ask you to come forward, to grab one of these papers, write that name, pray, and then hang it up.